0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor in chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today I'm speaking to Niklas M. Olsson, CEO of BrainLit. BrainLit is a company that improves life with biocentric lighting, as they say, which basically means they're bringing the daylight indoors with their innovative lighting systems and lamps. This was a really fun conversation, and I learned a lot about our knowledge of light, which is really fairly new from a big perspective, and how us humans are not really equipped to spend this much time indoors as we are already doing. I'd like to thank the Helio co working space for hosting us in their podcast studio. And don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get to podcasts, and sign up to our newsletter. On ScandinavianMind.com not to miss any content or invites in the future. Here now my conversation with Niklas Olsson, CEO of Brainlit. Enjoy! I'm here with uh, Niklas M. Olson, CEO of Brainlit. How are you, Niklas? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Uh, Very nice to have you here. Today we're going to talk about something that has been uh, super fascinating to me since getting to know you. So I really wanted to take the chance to talk about light. And uh, one of the things you mentioned to me, we're going to get into Brainlit and what you do. uh, But I found it so interesting. One when you talked about your competition mm. and you said your main competitor is actually the lack of knowledge mm. uh, so maybe we should start there because we have now an hour or so we can really try to deepen the knowledge about this area why is light so important
1: well if we if we start from the very beginning i would say we are all mammals And uh, we have a biological design. We are designed for an environment that we are no longer living in. Uh, If we go back, let's let's play with the thought that we are generation 10,000. The previous 9,995 generations have lived a life out, the majority part of their life outdoors. Mm. It's it's not until the industrial revolution when we started to move our work indoors and spend more and more time indoors. And that has been manifested in the explosion of a number of diseases. We are, from from the very beginning, designed to absorb approximately six to eight hours of natural light. We're not talking about sunlight. We're talking about natural light. Uh, And uh, that light has helped us to keep our hormone curves in order to have the beautiful swings of the uh, melatonin and the cortisol hormones that uh, controls our awake and sleep cycle. And during our sleep, and sleep is probably the most important Mm. uh, uh, part of uh, the body's recovery process. When we have a truly deep sleep, that's when our cells are repairing themselves. And also when the brain is uh, reorganizing the information, processing the information, washing out toxins out of our brains. So we need six to eight hours of sleep to to live a long and healthy life. We can of course uh, over a period of time deal with less sleep, but sleep is is, is normally the, the Normal way of uh, measuring how much healthy light we have absorbed. Mm. It's manifested in in the amount of quality sleep, not just long hours of sleep, but quality of sleep. so what what has happened over the last five generations is that we have redesigned our lives in in a in, in a way that is not in line with how we are designed biologically. Mm. and that is what we are addressing with technology. We need to get back into um, an environment that boosts our health that keeps us productive energetic Mm -hmm. and uh, i would say in 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 all aspects a high level of well-being in a high level of well-being
0: we're going to get to that and i know you have a a solution that we're going to talk about but but let's go back to these uh, these generations that you're talking about so Historically, what has happened? it's we're talking about the is it industrial revolution or is it even before that? When did we start uh... what, what what
1: if you go back to to the extremely early days when we were living um, in a very simple environment, we needed to survive to develop different uh, types of behaviors. that's what we today call chronotypical behavior. Mm. We had, in in our herd, we needed to have a few people that was up early in the morning to, to keep the fire alive. People that were extremely alert during the day to hunt, to do farming. We needed evening people, people that preferred to stay awake during the evenings to keep, once again, the fire alive. And then we needed a very few that actually felt comfortable not sleeping at all during the night to guard the, 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 the cave, so to speak, for pe- predators to come in. And this kind of behavior is heavily embedded into our DNA today. So we have different chronotypical behavior, and that hasn't changed over the years. So approximately 40% of any given population are defined as late chronotypes. It means that they today prefer to go to bed later than others. We have approximately 29.4% that prefer to go to bed earlier than the average individual. So we are heavily affected about our ancestors in terms of chronotypical behavior. And that also indicates that it's not only the quality of the light and the amount of the light that we absorb it also is very much related to when do we need this light as individuals to be at our peak performance
0: let's stick on that for a second because for those uh, that don't know this or are unfamiliar with these terms what are chronotypes
1: if you have a day where you have no obligations And this is scientifically measured. Uh, The the biggest study ever performed is called the Munich study. It was done in Germany, in Mm. Munich, uh, 2017. It was, they tested 175,000 people. So it's a huge population. You get the statistical relevance in this study to say that this is actually how a population behaves. And over a number of days, you can choose when you would like to go to bed and sleep. It's called the free day sleep. It means that you don't have to wake up at 7 to go to work. So you can wake up whenever you want to wake up and you can go to bed whenever you want to go to bed. And, and chronotypes is defined as how your circadian rhythm is, is aligned with the 24 hour day cycle. It doesn't, so it's not...
0: So again another term we should define circadian rhythm.
1: Cir- circadian rhythm is how, how our biology is shifting over a 24-hour cycle. Right, right. How, when we digest food, when we sleep, it's how we control our internal chemistry, so mm. to speak. Mm. And, and, and Coming then back to the fact that we are all different, we have people that actually would like to go to bed already 5 in the afternoon, if they can choose and sleep until 2 in the morning and go up, <laughs> that's when they feel comfortable. We have other people that want to stay up to 5 in the morning and sleep to noon. And, and this kind of, of chronotypical behavior is something that we need to address going forward. It's not one solution that fits all, it's highly individual.
0: Right. Okay, so you mentioned biocentric light. That's another term I feel we need to explain a little bit. What do you mean by biocentric light?
1: Well, biocentric light is when you deliver the right light for the right individual. So you create biological uh, reactions mm. on an individual level. So when we say biocentric light, we mean a light that is healthy, that a light that makes you more, more energetic, a light that makes you sleep better, and by that generate a higher level of health. So biocentric light puts the individual health in focus. It's not just a light for sight or a light for uh, triggering emotional reactions like this is a cozy Friday kind of light. Biocentric light is what makes us all perform better.
0: Okay, so we know now that there are different chronotypes with different circadian rhythms. where do we stand on this in terms of of science uh because you mentioned to me before that th- th- it's fairly new this this knowledge about this
1: it it you're right it's fairly new and uh, if we take a step back it wasn't until year 2000 when science fully understood the third receptor in the eye mm. when i was a student unfortunately quite some years ago we talked about cods and rons, cones and uh that, that's how we see in darkness and in, in bright light, and for close uh, range and long range, we have the, co- the, 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 co- the, the, the rods and cones. And then by year 2000, we started to understand that the third photoreceptor, the IPRGC cell in the eye, right. when that cell is stimulated with light, it, it, it sends signal to the supra nucleus in the brain that controls our hormone system and most light specialists, architects consultants etc are educated before year 2000 so they are still in modern building projects work with legacy knowledge they are designing environments that are based on old science so when we say that our biggest competitor is lack of knowledge it's it's a, it's a huge population that needs to be educated on how we work as human beings, as biological creatures. And, and, and the fact that this third cell, the, the IPRGC cell, or the ganglion cells, as it's called, they are located in predominantly in the lower part of the eye. It means that we need to receive the right light also from the right angle to hit those cells at the, to its optimal, get the optimal result.
0: All right. so. If we're being outside, this happens naturally.
1: Naturally,
0: yeah. So we get hit in the eye in the lower part. Our hormonal system gets what it needs. What happens then? What, what, what is it that, that uh, happens in the body, and, and what kind of effects does it have? When,
1: when we are exposed to natural light, either created by the sun or created by our technology, mm. it tells the cells that we are now exposed to daylight. The cell starts to send signals to the core of the brain that controls then the hormonal production. If we are exposed to certain wavelengths, we are then boosting the level of cortisol that makes us alert and energetic. Cortisol is is, is a hormone we need to be at our best performance levels If you are too stressed, you will produce too much cortisol It becomes harmful. but if we don't play with that we we, we we just stick to the way we are designed. Cortisol is absolutely necessary for us to live a productive and active life. Then when the in the natural habitat, when the sun starts to go down in the afternoon, you we, we can we can imagine that the the light becomes warmer, more reddish. And that then starts to activate the production of melatonin, the hormone that makes us sleepy and relaxed. So by stimulating the cells in the eyes with different different kind of light, we can then have an impact on the hormonal production. And many people think that during vacations or weekends, I sleep so well because I'm so relaxed. There is really no scientific evidence that just because you're relaxed, you sleep better. But most people spend more hours outdoors during weekends and vacation, and the hormonal curve starts to have the beautiful amplitude as they should. With amplitude, we means that when you're outdoors, you get more hormones. So when we are spending more time, longer time indoors, the levels of hormones are shrinking. So we don't sleep as deep as we should, and we are not as awake as we could. And when, when I do presentations uh, overseas in the United States, well, I, I normally say that we don't really live our life to the fullest. We are not as energetic as we should be during the day, and we are wasting hours of sleep during night.
0: I think this right here is has been mind-blowing to me to, to learn uh, once I got to know you. But also I think uh, there's a level of awareness here that uh, I, 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 I can't, you know, understated enough because I think there's a great interest in health yeah. and we all know we need to exercise and we all know we need to eat well. And now we're talking more about meditation and controlling our thoughts. And there are all these things, you know, if, if, if the science is this new, where do you think we stand in terms of general knowledge of of the public? Because this seems like a, a, just a huge Uh, how do I say it a huge trend waiting to happen learning more about light and how it affects our health
1: I, I think you're absolutely right and I think that we will go from a very low knowledge level and I can see now on the numbers of interactions that we are having around the world that even in countries an interesting reflection here is that the, the, the place in the United States where you have the highest level of vitamin D deficits mm. is Florida. Florida is the state in the United States with the most numbers of uh, sun, sun days per year.
0: That's unintuitively
1: correct. Course. But just because you live in an environment with a lot of natural light but you don't expose yourself to it, so it's not it's not about where you live, it's how you live. People are indoors like, more. People are indoors more. It's hot yeah. and humid. Yeah. People go in their air-conditioned cars to a shopping mall or a sports venue. You do your practice indoors in gyms or in swimming pools indoors mm. because it's so hot outside. And we can see also in Middle East that there is a lot of deficit of vitamin D, where there is also a, a lot of natural light. Mm. So when you look into... the the gradient or the the curve of of, of, uh, the earth where people are having a good balance between outdoor and indoor life. You see that the correlation between vitamin D is quite interesting when it comes to how much absorption of natural light do you get versus the sun hours. So, So I think it doesn't matter if we address the situations in Florida or Dubai or Singapore, Versus Juvaskylä in Finland or Anchorage in Canada, <laughs> the problem remain. Right.
0: Just one reflection: there's a great interest of the outdoors, and I think we've certainly seen it to the this year when people are spending more time in the outdoors, and and uh, we we see it certainly in in our research and and of of the world that the interest in spending time outdoors is is. Uh, is much greater but no one's talking about the light part of it uh, they're talking about exercise they're talking about good air and you know time for your thoughts and all these things what do you think needs to happen in terms of raising the awareness
1: I think we need to understand that we are mammals mm. that we, we, we need to satisfy some of our basic needs we have approximately 25,000 genes 20% of those are light, they need light to be synchronized and and to operate well. It means that approximately 5,000 of our genes needs natural light to stay healthy. There is no question that the shift that took place with the industrial revolution when we went indoors have affected us dramatically Mm. in a negative way. And, and when we are working with our technology, there, there's an expression that I love, if something seems too good to be true, it's normally not true. And that's a, that's a statement <laughs> that we meet very frequently. But the good thing with our technology is that we as human beings react so quickly to healthy light. We can within seven to ten minutes detect how your body reacts to natural light. Either through a saliva test or a blood test.
0: It goes that fast?
1: Yes. We are wow. not talking about a technology that over time you can argue that meditation. I love meditation, it, but but you can't say after one session that I feel so much better. It requires yeah, power of habits. You power to... of habits and duration and time. Our bodies react instinctively on healthy light, as well as react instinctively on unhealthy light if we're talking about fluorescent light, used in most schools, even if we are shifting now quickly to to, to LED technology, but still fluorescent light, it's actually inflammatory. If you're not sick before, you will get sick in those environments. Wow. And this is well known to science. I do think we're gonna see going forward that parents will require the schools to show evidence that my kids, my children are Spending all their time during the days in a healthy environment. I do not want to send my child to an environment that might be harmful. We our long-term vision is to make the indoor climate possibly more healthy than the outdoor climates. That you go to your office to become healthier, not just healthy. And when we talk about how we take care of our elderly people, if you recall old pictures from the 1800s when we had sanatoriums. We could see all these people in wheelchairs outside of the sanatoriums even during the Spanish flu with blankets on their lap. That was though in the 1918s. But the long rows of wheelchairs with people with blankets. During those days, the, the, the healthcare environment believed that the fresh air would accelerate the recovery what they unintentionally created was exposure to natural light. Right. And this natural light, today there is scientific evidence that you can accelerate the reco- recovery process with between 20 to 30% post-surgery. So hence the great interest from the global healthcare community to, to our technology. That and, and so coming back to your actual question here, I think that when when, when people become fully aware of the direct impact, the massive impact on on being exposed to natural light. That's when we will start to see more of requests. Why would you check into a hotel that doesn't support your health? Why would you go to a gym that doesn't add immediate additional value Mm. to your Mm. health and well-being? Why would you sign up for a work in a company that doesn't provide an environment that would protect you over time? There is today clear facts that women that work night shifts in hospitals have a 30% higher risk to get breast cancer. 30% higher risk. Why would any woman in the world accept to be exposed to that risk when there are today technologies available to prevent that from happening?
0: Okay, we we've waited long enough. Let's get into it. So, uh, the company that you're CEO of have uh, revolutionary technology to tackle this issue that we're talking about. Uh, what does the BrainLit systems
1: do? I think you have to go back to the foundation of our company. We come directly out of the University of Lund. Mm. University of Lund today is rated as one of the top 100 universities worldwide. We are heavily and deeply anchored into science and uh, into the academia. Uh, We are focusing only on solutions that can be validated uh, uh, and be confirmed in scientific studies and reports. We are not working with hypothesis. We're working with facts. That's deeply anchored in our corporate DNA. And the founder of our company, Mr. Thord vingren uh, he is uh, most known for his contribution in the development of the Bluetooth technology and other Swedish in- innovation that have changed the world in terms how we are connected and how we connect man-machine and how we connect it to each other. Right. He started to, to He's a
0: legend in many circles. In
1: many circles he's a legend and because how he is passionate about technology and how technology can help people to be connected and feel better and be better. So 2012 when he founded the company, he, he realized that there is a strong correlation between... Uh, light and health, and he spent a year traveling to Stanford and other universities to to see where science were at that time, and connected that back to the studies done at the University of Lund. And he he formed a company with uh, three professors from different uh, institutions in Lund to further analyze and develop the technology. Uh, At that time, technology wasn't ready to replicate natural light. But he made the the, the the conclusion or the hypothesis that given the development of the lead technology, mm. artificial intelligence, and sensors, f- four to five years from 2012, so by 2016, 2017, the technology should be at the point where we could actually replicate natural light in using a technology platform. So he filed uh, a number of system patents around his thinking, how we could create this kind of environments using modern technology, before the technology was actually invented. Wow. (laughs) And then 2014, the the Nobel Prize uh, around how you could create white light with blue LEDs came, Mr. Nakamura, from Japan. Mm. And that was, of course, an important cornerstone in in our development. 2017 came the Nobel Prize in in cell clock coordination that further supports uh, the theories that we are heavily dependent on circadian stimulation Mm. to stay healthy.
0: But also underscoring how new this science is and how recent we have uh, had these developments.
1: Correct. So so it's it's very recent that uh, science have understood the massive impact light has on us. And uh, if lack of knowledge is not our biggest competitor, it's it's I would say that it's our ability to spend more time outdoors. If we could spend more time outdoors, our technology wouldn't be as useful. Mm. The best, of course, for any human being is to spend more time outdoors, to combine fresh air, natural light. But if you can't do that, if you cannot live your life in Serengeti or anywhere else, you have to spend most of your time indoors. We see that this is, from a biological point of view, the best option.
0: And there's really nothing to support that we will spend more time outdoors, in looking at trends. <laughs> Unfortunately,
1: or... the, the, the the future from that perspective doesn't look that bright, mm-hmm. in, at least in, in major parts of the world. We are working together with one of the leading real estate companies in the world CapitaLand in Singapore they have now started a project to look into what if the world is not getting any better what if we need to spend even more time indoors mm. due to climate change etc so we have installed our technology in what's called the Future Urban Development Lab in Singapore where they are evaluating technologies that will secure and make sure that we can have a healthy life spending even more time indoors. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing with our technology, we are using, I would say, four components to replicate the natural light. We are using then advanced luminars, like the loudspeakers in the music system. Instead of generating sound waves, we we are generating light waves. We are using sensors either in the room or on the individual to capture data how the light is affecting us we're feeding that into the third component. That is our algorithms, our uh, AI algorithms that runs on our control system. That data we're feeding back into the, the light sources to generate the right light waves for any given individual at any given time. So it's what we call a circular system with the individual in the center.
0: So basically you're you're producing tailor-made lights for each individual that is in the vicinity of of this system.
1: Yes. If you remember when I talked about chronotypes, Mm. that even in a family we are different. And if in this study from Munich that we talked about before, 175,000 people, if you would generate a standard kind of light, that is what most, if not all, Mm. traditional companies are doing if you were really really lucky you would cater for 15 percent of the population's need so you would then have 85 percent of the population that would just have light for sight more or less not light for health so we are we are addressing a huge needs and here you need technology to identify what need do conrad need what need what kind of light do Nicholas need at any given time, and the only way to do that with accuracy and and in an uncomplicated way, advanced technology needs to be uncomplicated to live with is' through AI mm.
0: okay, so uh, explain how, how do you get the data into your system and how how do you learn about each individual
1: there are There are many different ways today, I would say that most of our users of our technology they are happy with what we call daylight indoors. We are just copying, let's say a day here in Stockholm, we are using weather data, we are using sensor data from weather stations, and Mm -hmm. we are just then copy paste exactly the light that's outside this studio today and we bring it inside to the studio. So we could could sit outside on the street or we could sit in this warm and nice studio and have this conversation. It will be the same result. So that's one option
0: is it season i'm sorry to to interrupt you there is it seasonal as well can you, could you copy could you could we do summer here in in we're in uh, mid-november now when we're recording this
1: good question and funny enough summers the, the light in the summers if you would project we call it light recipes so a day in the summer have a certain profile of the light intensity color Etc. Mm. and even direction, that the sun comes from a different angle on the sky. So the, 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 the surrounding light has a different component than a light in mid-March, even at the same time. What, when we ask a population what light do they prefer, no, most people prefer spring light. Okay, it's, it's really interesting that even if you don't know and you have different, we project different light, which one do you like most? I would say that close to 70% say the spring light. So the preset in our systems are the 18th of April. Oh, really? <laughs> and we can choose any geo position in the world because light differs. If you say what is the light at noon in Stockholm versus what is the light at noon in Cairo, it's different light compositions. So we like to have a little bit of fun at work as well. So we, even in New York or Singapore or Hong Kong or wherever we have our, our projects, we always choose this the 18th of April and the geographical position is Lund in Sweden. <laughs>
0: So light from the south of Sweden, even in New York.
1: That is our preset, even in New York. Is is
0: that preferable though? Is it is it or or should New Yorkers get New York light, so to speak, or Singaporean Singapore light?
1: Yeah, that that's an interesting question. We 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 have a project in Malmö with with an IT company that has a lot of Indian software developers Mm. working. And they have they had a problem with seasonal depression. among the Indian co-workers and they called us up and said we, we have read about your work on, 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 on light and how to stimulate the circadian rhythm and how to energize people and make them feel better. Can you help us out? And uh, I went to that company and the CEO asked me, uh, do you think that The Indians working here in Sweden need a different kind of light. Coming back to your question about do the New Yorkers need a different kind of light? And I I brought that question with me to our scientific board. Do we have light memories? And our scientific board is an amazing team of uh, professors from Lund. And they, they spent a few hours discussing. And the conclusion was that we probably have light memories. Depending on how we sort memories, we can the, the strongest memory we have is the me- scent memory mm. that goes back to thousands of years when we needed to detect if this smells dangerous, there is a forest fire far mm. away. We need to run in the other direction from this smell. But light, there's great. This is not yet 100% proven, but they believe that we probably have light memories. So if you think back to a day when you were at your grandparents as a child and you were running on their lawn in a sunny day, the feeling of the combination of the grass under your feet and the, the, this kind of bright, crispy light. So we decided to, to put New Delhi light in this office where the, the Indian software developers were located, and we could see a very interesting shift of their mood. So, we are projecting New Delhi light in Malmö during winter time. That's so, fascinating. So, 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 we are back to, the, to core, the core question. I think that we need to accept that we are mammals. Right. 20% of our genome is reacting heavily on light. So, why wouldn't we be affected by what we have been pre-programmed since thousands of years to, to react on?
0: that's that's super fascinating and and one of the many wow factors of of this topic um but so let's get back to the to the system and the and the project and we we're talking about uh, how you sort of uh, get the data from the individual in the, in in the in the uh examples where you actually do adjust the light
1: yeah so if if anyone and most people are today willing to share their health data if we can have access to your, let's say, uh, uh, Apple Watch, or your Suunto Watch, or your Fitbit, or your Aura Ring, or any personal sensor that measures and d- detects your health, with the, the user's permission, if we get access to that device, we can collect data and bring that personal data up into our control environment, in our algorithms, to see what light improves your health status. We need between three to seven days to fine tune and come up with what is Conrad's chronotypical behavior. Then the system will generate the light that boosts your chronotypical need for light to its optimum level. So it's actually not that difficult when you get Hmm. the data. And we can deal with tremendous amount of data. And and one good thing for us is that the chronotypical behavior is, is so anchored into your DNA that you will not change it. So when you store your light profile on your phone, let's say you are flying to New York and you check into a Hilton hotel that uses our technology, you can check in with your mobile device and say it's Conrad from Sweden and the system there will know that this is the light you need to be to be healthy but even more cool if i may say is that the system can also ask you how long will you stay in new york i'm going to stay five days would you like to remain on scandinavian time zone right. or would you like to have an accelerated time adjustment because it's actually the circadian rhythm this When we talk about jet lag, it's actually to have a disturbed circadian rhythm. Mm. We are out of sync with our body clocks and the real time. We can adjust one to two hours per day. So if you're going to be in New York for five days, the system can help you to accelerate or minimize the jet lag in record time. But you can also run it in reverse, that if you're planning to fly from Stockholm to New York, for a work session, you could start four days before travel to sit under your personalized light and be on New York time biologically when you arrive to New York, so you're fresh to go when you arrive to New York.
0: Again, very fascinating and and, uh, I can see many uh, applications here for for many people. how is, is this installed today? Give paint the picture of, of how your system is, uh, or perhaps some examples of how it's used today.
1: Our base technology is built upon that we have then uh, uh, luminars. Luminar is a lamp with built in intelligence. Mm. So you can say it's a lamp with a microcomputer that is required to control the LEDs. And today you see ninety nine. of our installations are in hospitals, in schools, in healthcare settings, uh, in uh, I would say some industrial applications. One good example here is is the 911 center in Stockholm, the SOS alarm, Mm. 32 meters underground, 200 people working in total darkness in a bunker. They asked us, could you create natural light, We, we have some issues with People getting headaches and fatigue during the late hours of the day, and today they are working in natural light, 24/7. We have done installations in school, so it's 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 called infrastructure system. We we uh, we we bolt them in the roofs of the and uh, embed the system into the building. Right. So that is what where we are today, and we have received so many requests from users all over the world. I would like to bring this home. Why wouldn't I feel as great as home as I do at work? And uh, therefore we launched this week the first freestanding biocentric light source. Right, right. And that we think that this is going to be a milestone in personalized health. That uh, small businesses If you have an office with, let's say, four to five people, you might not want to invest in a infrastructure system. Mm. Then you can use this. Because the
0: previous system are are fixed in the roof, fixed in the the room, the
1: ceiling. Yes, this one is floor standing, like a floor lamp. Right, but it's far more advanced. We have embedded all our technology and sensors, etc., into this freestanding solution. So today you can choose. From Tuesday this week, you can choose either I want it fixed in the building or I want it to be portable, I can choose myself where to put it. And this is so important that you have, I would argue that, that given the current situation with COVID and etc., with more and more people working from home, right. why wouldn't you have a productive, safe and healthy environment in your home office? And that if you, if you stretch that even further, why wouldn't you expect your children doing long hours of homework in most cultures? to study in the light that not only make them healthy but also smarter. We get smarter with natural light.
0: That's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent pitch that many people would, would buy into I <laughs> <Yeah>. think. <laughs> okay, so um, the new freestanding system, uh, is it mainly meant for, for uh, the home or is it for the office? Where do you see the application?
1: I think the biggest application area will be within healthcare. Uh, if you look into nursing homes, uh, uh, critical care centers, it is today uh, proven by science that we have an accelerated rec- recovery with 20 to 30%. Mm. And we have also seen that during COVID, even people that are under anesthesia react to circadian stimuli and improves faster. Uh, we, we think that given the thousands of people now being in nursing homes, elderly people. Mm -hmm. And one of the benefit of either being outdoors or being in natural light indoors, it's very important for me to be clear that we do not do anything that the sun wouldn't do. It's very important. We, We move the natural light indoors with technology. If you, for example, have dementia, the best thing you can do is to be as much outdoor as possible. It doesn't cure the dementia, but it slows down the progression. So given the explosion of dementia and and memory-related mental uh, health issues, we think that our technology could dramatically improve uh, the situation for elderly people around the world. So we see that that is one of the big usage areas uh, in healthcare, in long-term care. The second one would be then... Before COVID, we said offices. Today, I personally believe that home offices, home study places, mm. and this comes predominantly from the fact that we, the, 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 the Royal Technology University in Denmark uh, did a study with our technology on a school for children. And the, the results were, were amazing. The c- children that was studying over a few months in our environment, during cognitive tests they came out 11.8% higher on a cognitive in cognitive measurements it means actually that you become smarter working in natural light and this study has generated tremendous interest from banks if you are running, let's say, a trader floor at, at, in New York and you have a few hundred people making, forced to make quick decisions, if you only by working in a light environment can make the better decisions quicker, it's very fascinating. But if you then take that back, why wouldn't you let your children at home study in an environment that not only makes them healthier, but also smarter. So I do see home offices and home study places. We don't really see our technology you know, in the living rooms or in, in, in that sense. We, we are create, creating safe, productive, healthy environments. And that's where, that's where our core is.
0: again there's there's so many fascinating um angles to to take on this uh so where do you see um your growth as a company uh where do you see the most uh, need for for your product and which markets are you going into
1: we have decided that that the 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 opportunities are everywhere mm. and the need is so great that we need to focus on what we call our home markets. We have defined two home markets. It's Northern Europe, Scandinavia, and it's uh, United States. Uh, we, ha- we have phenomenal traction in the United States. And uh, the reason for that might be that the cost of not being healthy is so great for an, an American. Mm. that. Uh, they don't have the same protection net as we have and if we can help people to become healthier and one consequence of being in natural light is that your immune system improves significantly and during times like we're living in now there is no study completed yet but there's really interesting uh, trends that by eating vitamin D by by ensuring that your immune system is on top you are more uh, you are more prepared from a biological point of view if you would get for example covid so we we think that those two markets currently is our main focus we are then looking into expansion into central europe we are receiving a, a massive numbers of inquiries from asia uh, i would say our next focus area will probably be Japan. Mm. Similar needs, similar challenges as we have in Scandinavia with environments, etc. And and for us it's it's um, quality is everything for us. We are working with something that we see as extremely important. We 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 will not deploy a technology that we are not 100 Comfortable with, so we, we're going to grow our company, but we will do it in a very controlled way.
0: Hmm. I'm curious how you, um, uh, what reactions you get from from people when you, you know, out. You're almost like you're a, this missionary in the in the in the uh, in the light space, so to speak. Uh, uh, where do you see the? because for me personally, there's been many wow factors in this and learning about it. Is this something you experience with people when you talk about this?
1: I mean, we are, I would say we are <clears throat> brilliant engineers, but we are really not that good in sales and marketing. And, and that's probably one challenge that we have. But one, we, I have one example that I personally love. It's this it's a very big Danish company that mm. said, we would like you to quote our headquarter. And we said no. And they said, don't you understand the potential with us globally? And we said, yes. Will you then quote our headquarter? And we said, once again, no. <laughs> and they asked us why. We said, we want to start with, you pick the worst area you have in your headquarter. We will install our technology. You will test it. And we are very confident that you will love it. So instead then of talking about huge projects, we will talk about a very structured planned rollout scheme Mm. to do things properly from day one. And and we say, normally we don't have users, we have believers. When you see the effects, in many organizations we are measuring, in most installations we have done, we are measuring a reduction of uh, sick absence with 30 to 50%. Most projects have a payoff time in less than 18 months because but, people are healthier they go to work and they produce more yeah, yeah. and and when you have when you are embedding something that is extremely natural into any environment people feel good and as mentioned before it only takes 7 to 10 minutes before we can measure the biological reaction to the technology. So it's so powerful that we don't need to talk about months of testing and validating. And we, had, we, we have a, a fantastic project uh, where we had some really skeptical uh, customers and they turned out, after a few weeks, to be today one of our greatest supporters. And we could show them in in our lab <clears throat> that uh, seven to ten minutes and your body reacts you cannot control it. We desperately need natural light mm. to stay healthy
0: mm. We're sitting here in in the uh, podcast studio in Stockholm with uh, not optimal light so uh we're, we're gonna do uh, a few more minutes uh of this conversation and we'll, we'll see maybe we we'll get, get out in the november sun here in in uh, in in stockholm if there is any um what what other things are are on your horizon right now that you're thinking about in terms of expanding the company or or growing the knowledge
1: well we as mentioned before we are a scientific based company we are working today a lot with uh, professional sports not so much because we are passionate about sports it's because we're passionate about the data Mm. and athletes are I would say extremely willing to share with us their biological data and we are now doing some fantastic studies in the Finnish Olympic center, it's the only Olympic center in Europe. Uh, They are now installing our technology to see how much, they already know that it has a huge impact on the athletes, but now we'll start measuring in detail how much. We have a number of Formula 1 teams that are now looking into using our technology. We are working with both leading hockey clubs in the US, uh, baseball clubs, uh, basketball clubs, Uh, In Sweden, Malmö Redhawks are using our technology. In Finland, Jokerit are using our technology. Sports is interesting because they are so dependent on our individual well-being and performance. And we think that by using the data from sports in our science, we can offer the same environment to us normal people. Mm. We can bring that to our children, to our elderly, because there's so much science now that goes on. And we have designed the technology to be what we call future-proof. As soon as new science comes, we can deploy it over the air to every single user. So let's say that you have our technology in your office or in your home. Six months from now, new science comes. We can deploy it immediately. And that's what we call living a biocentric life. So... In these,
0: are they installed? I'm sorry to be very specific, but are they installed in the arenas or in the changing room, locker rooms of, of...
1: Predominantly in the in the in the in the locker rooms, mm-hmm. in the players' lounge, in the gym, and in the physiology side. In the inside the arena, during the game, it's not really that important because you can upload hormonal effects that will last for a few hours. So it's more important that the players are being exposed. You also
0: don't want to give it to the opponent, right? Uh, correct.
1: <laughs> but what is, what, when, when the chairman of our, our sport uh, segment mm. is a fantastic gentleman named uh, uh, Mikko, uh, Mikka Solin. He's the former secretary general of the Finnish Olympic Committee. And he was visiting us in Lund and he was having a conversation with our chief medical officer. Madeleine Silvander. and, and uh, he asked her, so, so what is the biggest problem for, for, for any team sport? And she said, you know, a team sport, the players are as us in general. We have different chronotypes. So you're probably co- uh, aware of the fact that you have some players that always perform best during practice, and some players are performing best during the games. Mm. Yes, of course, Mika said. They are the winners and then you have the... When, when is the practice? Right. And he said, in the mornings. And when are the games? In the evenings. And then he was quiet and said, alright, let's spend a few hours on understanding this. So what we can do with our technology, we can identify in any team who are the morning chronotypes, who are the evening chronotypes. We can then use our technology to push them together to perform at the... Same time. So instead of having 21 chronotypes or 12 chronotypes in a team, we can with technology adjust their circadian rhythm so they perform at their best at the same time. And what is even more interesting is that the difference between peak and low performance with the professional athletes during a 24 hour cycle is approximately 20%. So let's say you are you are a Finnish hockey team, let's say Jokerit that are using our technology. They will fly to Vladivostok eight hours away, they play in the KHL league. So they will play maybe then, I think that it's a time difference of eight hours. Mm. If they fly into Vladivostok and the whole team is at their peak at six o'clock in the evening, but they're gonna play instead ten o'clock in the morning. What are the probabilities that they will beat the local team in Vladivostok? So then we can use once again this opportunity to adjust your, your jet lag or accelerate your time adjustment. So a few days before the team flies to Vladivostok we can start the time adjustment in advance and also adjust individual players to be synchronized with the team. So we are really into some exciting discussions when it comes to professional sports. All
0: right, this is again very fascinating topic uh, Niklas, thank you so much for sharing sharing this. Is there anything you think we should add uh, that we missed
1: no man we are we are on a mission, and our mission is to hopefully change the views on how people see themselves in relationship to natural light you don't really you don't have to invest in our technology, but you should really make sure you bring your Elderly ones, your children, more outdoors. Even during a rainy day in Stockholm or New York, you get approximately 10,000 lux outdoors. Mm. Even if we think it's dark outside, it's not a matter of sunlight. It's a matter of natural light. It's photons, energy, Mm. that we need to absorb. And shielding us off from these natural photons create unhealth and if we could live a more of a biocentric life where we expose ourselves to to natural light either sun made or machine made we will have better lives
0: we will have better lives i think those are great parting words Uh, Niklas thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing your knowledge
1: thank you so much for having me